CEE Central Europe Explained An IDM podcast series powered by Erste Group Episode 19 Brexit a mess in the institutional EU framework the changes and effects on the central and southeastern European region with Daniele Piatkiewicz Warm welcome to everyone who is listening to the next episode of IDM podcast series CEE, Central Europe Explain. My name is Daniel Martinek and I am Research Associate at IDM, Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe in Vienna. This time, the central topic revolves around Brexit and its implications on our target region. Brexit, a mess in the institutional EU framework, question mark, the changes and effects for Central and Eastern Europe is the title of today's episode. I'm very much pleased to welcome Daniel Piatkiewicz, a research fellow at the Brussels office of the Prague-based Institute for European Policy, Europeum, where she is focusing on issues around transatlantic and Central and Eastern European security, NATO and Eastern partnership. In addition, Daniela is also an independent consultant for the Alliance of Democracies Foundation. Daniela, thank you. Great to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. I already mentioned Brexit is the central topic of our today's discussion. I suppose that everyone is aware of the fact that something called Brexit happened. And maybe at the very beginning, I would just like to ask you to briefly tell us more about what Brexit stands for what happened during the last couple of years and where we actually stand now? Absolutely happy to do so. So great question to start us off with. I would say the Brexit saga seems to be evolving on the daily basis. Um, so this is great to have kind of a bit of a check-in, um, especially for the Central and Eastern European region. Um, so since the UK's decision to exit the European Union in 2016, the process has been anything but smooth. Um, after many rounds of bitter negotiations and many deadlines passing, the divorce, if you will, um, came to an end when the UK finally left in January 2020, um, but then entered a new trade and political partnership um, starting just this year, also in January. Um, so even if the UK is officially out of the EU, um, the UK still has several more obstacles on the horizon, including outstanding issues um, around data sharing, financial services, travel, and even now the post-pandemic recovery. I would maybe go for the basic question uh, in relation to our target region, IDM target region. How does uh, Brexit affect the Central and Eastern European region? In what areas, you already mentioned some of them, in your opinion, will the withdrawal of the United Kingdom from the EU have its probably biggest impact? Absolutely. So great question. While the impact of Brexit has been primarily viewed through the lens of the EU framework, um, the UK's exit has and will continue to have implications on specific countries, especially trade and security partners. And this includes countries within Central and Eastern Europe and on multiple levels. Um, so I'm happy to go straight into those levels if you want me to. Sure. Great. Um, so I know you had outlined that you want me to kind of go in the political and economic implications, um, but I would even go further. I would also touch on the security and social impact on the region. Um, but to start off with the political implications, um, Brexit not only um, fueled Euro skepticism already rampant in the Central and Eastern European um, region, but also gave way to more division within the EU as countries like Poland and Hungary have been criticizing EU mandates and alleged meddling in their sovereignty by Brussels. 
while this is not enough to follow the UK's example of exiting the union, um, it has definitely fueled already high tensions and populist rhetoric among countries within Central and Eastern Europe. The exit also created the expected political and power shifts within the EU as many anticipated with the UK's departure. We have seen larger states such as Germany and France taking a stronger role, potentially leaving countries, um, those in Central and Eastern Europe on the periphery or outside of large political and economic decisions. However, some experts have actually indicated that Brexit could improve the position of Poland and other countries um, within the Visegrad group um, as it could have potential leverage and bargaining power of different coalitions of countries, including the possibility of voting or blocking decisions. We've kind of seen this a little bit with the, uh, the latest Hungary and Poland blocking of the EU um, uh, COVID uh, budget as well. Um, the economic implications, uh, while more prevalent in the EU itself rather than the EU specific Central and East European regions, um, the loss of the Union's biggest non-Eurozone member has of course left a significant hole in the EU's budget and has raised questions about the EU's future um, direction specifically on free trade and enlargement areas traditionally driven by the UK. Um, however, many countries' GDP within Central and Eastern Europe um, have actually relied on exports um, with the UK, and the long-term effects of the trade deals and tariffs could have a profound effect on investment in the region, specifically future investments. Some economists are actually hoping that this may positively influence the region's labor market and long-term economic growth, but at this time, it would be difficult to gauge um, given the economic impact, of course, of the pandemic. Um, switching to the security front, uh, Britain stood as one of the EU's top military and defense powers. The impact on the Central and Eastern region has been felt primarily in the security structure and, of course, of the loss of funding, infrastructure, and resources. Um, as of 2019, the UK was one of the only two member states possessing full-spectrum military capabilities and was one of only six men, uh, member states meeting the NATO target spending of the 2% uh, GDP on defense and had the largest military budget within the EU. Um, their departure from several membership, including Europol, CDSP, and European Defense Agency has been felt within the EU. But one of the more apparent areas um, that the UK's continued presence is through NATO. And that is, of course, very important for Central and Eastern Europe as um, it's been this primarily security umbrella. There are still concerns that the new leadership with the, within the White House, there may be a shift to stronger UK-US relationship, which for countries like Poland and other countries might in the Central and Eastern Europe who have actively sought to create strong security bonds with the US through NATO may see these efforts as inadvertently undetermined um, the US orientation with, uh, with UK. And maybe this pivot um, towards a stronger UK-US approach may take away focus and security concerns um, facing Europe's eastern border, including the Ukrainian conflict and growing tensions with Russia. Um, lastly, on the social side, uh, we're witnessing an interesting trend of reverse migration as those who sought work abroad return home, um, most notably those who immigrated to the UK back in the early 2000s um, are going back towards Baltics and Central and Eastern European region. Um, the Economist had a very interesting piece on this earlier this year, um, but they noted that while data is still emerging, the re reasons behind um, this kind of reverse migration is a mixture of the pandemic, but also correlates with the uncertainty of work status for Europeans. And also there have been rates, um, higher reports of discrimination towards um, this population. And this has fueled further um, and more divisive nature of Brexit. And this could be contributing towards this.
Thank you very much, Daniel. Um, maybe uh, at the very beginning, I would like to go back to the political uh, effects of the of the Brexit in our region. You you mentioned that uh, the Brexit could actually or will actually improve the situation of countries such as Poland and Hungary. Could you maybe share more light on on this issue? Yeah, I mean that one. It's it's hard to to gauge just because it is still very much a moving target. I would say on the economic terms that kind of the, the function of the block of, of the Central and Eastern Europe could pretend, potentially be a bargaining um, block and bargaining power. Um, so that's something that we've definitely seen um, kind of already exposed, as I mentioned, um, with the recovery package, for instance, Hungary and Poland were using it, um, their kind of their position to kind of halt some of this, um, not saying that that was necessarily a good use of this power, but it does kind of show that there could be some um, power shifts within Europe, um, especially with UK kind of being removed from that uh, dynamic. Exactly, and that would be actually my next question. So you you spoke about this power shift on the EU level. What does the Brexit mean uh, for the Visegrad group, for example, when it comes to these power shifts? So uh, is Germany and France going to gain more power on within the decision making, or is maybe are these regional cooperation formats gain on on power after the United Kingdom? Uh, left uh, the European Union? It's a great question. I I think what happened or our speculation right when Brexit happened five years ago, we thought that this would be very prevalent. And I, I feel that with kind of the pandemic, there's been a bit of a, a reshuffling of different countries being able to emerge um, just because of how they've dealt with the economic implications of the pandemic. Um, an interesting thing I'll maybe kind of quote right now is um, what we saw that even with uh, after Brexit was happening, you you saw kind of a, a surge of the Central and Eastern European countries, not just like for Brexit itself, but that definitely were um, showing um, changes in their approach to bilateral and re regional exchanges. Um, and what I will quote is, according to a 2019 Visegrad Trends Report, which surveyed V4 policy communities, they were asked how important the UK as a partner for their country. The UK was ranked as the five most important partners by the V4, and this is behind Germany, US, France, and Austria. Um, so it was noted that these were dramatically com lower compared to a 2017 report in which the UK was considered the top three most important partners. Um, so this just highlights that since UK's decision to leave the EU, V4 countries have definitely shifted priorities towards other regions, and I would say closer regions, specifically Germany and France. Thank you. And since you are currently based in Brussels and you are, so to say, in the center of EU affairs, uh, you already touched upon uh, this issue. Can Brexit uh, have implications in our region when it comes to the image of the EU? Can Brexit have a possible domino effect within the EU? Great question about the domino effect. Um, I would say in the early months of Brexit, I would have said yes. You know, I think a lot of us were really worried about some of these uh, kind of, you know, the, the, the tide turning in most other countries. But now that we're five years on and very little to show with these negotiations, um, I would say that Central and Eastern are not in direct path um, of this. Um, but I think what is worth cautioning is that it does feed into the Euroscepticism and anti-EU rhetoric, 
which does have correlation or co correlation with um, the rise of populism and rule of law in the region. And Poland and Hungary, I'm just not pointing them out um, specifically, but they do have an ongoing fight with the EU. Um, and this can actually lead to further alienation and can threaten EU integration, um, but not necessarily to the extent of Brexit. But to your question on the consequences of Brexit um, to EU integration at a larger scale, um, I touched upon this with the various levels, but in the short-term consequences, um, there definitely have already emerged in the last five years um, to seeing a little bit more of an emboldened regional approach um, to challenges that the EU processes um, have mentioned. And, and this is goes reference to the, the blocking of the COVID recovery aid um, that I think just shows deeper fractions with the EU that have been just more exposed post-Brexit. Not to speak just about the EU member states, uh, I would like to ask you, uh, when we speak about the image of the EU and about the Brexit in general, what are going to be the implications for non-EU member states, be it in Eastern Europe or in Southeastern Europe, when it comes to EU enlargement? Is it going to have uh, negative implications on this process? I think it depends primarily on what kind of relationship these countries would want. I think the UK has shown what um, what a partner maybe shouldn't do within the EU. Um, you can look at Switzerland and Turkey as examples of the different approaches that uh, non-EU member states have taken with um, partnerships with the EU. So I think while the UK is still determining which direction they want to go for other countries who might be, you know, questioning this partnership in the future or membership in the future, um, it would be worth noting that EU still serves as such a large, you know, economic block, trading block that uh, and security um, structure, especially with the help of the United States and other regional partners that um, you know, seeing playing nice, I think, and having civil negotiations is well worth it. And I think your uh, answer actually uh, re relates highly to my next uh, question, which would be uh, what future steps should, on, on the one hand, the European Union and its member states, but on the other hand, also the non-EU member states take as a response uh, to Brexit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so at the moment, and I would actually also look at it from the UK perspective, the UK seems to want a strong relationship with EU and member states, despite these bitter negotiations. But if the last five years is any indication on how these negotiations and partnerships will continue, I would say that the long-term effects of Brexit in Central and Eastern Europe are only still emerging and developing. Um, and one thing to consider, is, as I mentioned, those trends that uh, you know Central and Eastern Europe also, if 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 the UK doesn't seem to be a you know an enticing partner for them, they will look elsewhere. So if the UK wants to establish stronger bilateral relations, some courting will need to be do, uh, done both from the UK side um, as Central Euro European states um, actively invest in expanding their economic and security infrastructure. The UK will need to ask themselves what can they offer um, the region that for instance, other EU member states or the US cannot, especially with the U new US um, leadership. So definitely more united approach, more united front. Uh, to the United Kingdom is is definitely necessary. Yeah, especially on a regional um, perspective. I think the this shared concern, uh, security concerns, political concerns, um, I think resonate between um, the different countries in Central and Eastern Europe and also beyond. So it would be well worth um, taking a united approach rather than bilateral.
to conclude, uh, we are still seeing how Britain's priorities will continue to develop. But until then, EU member states and countries within Central and Eastern Europe can at least be proactive and engage with the UK as a partner while balancing and maintaining their own policy objectives. Thank you very much, Danielle, for our today's highly interesting discussion. I think you would agree if I say that Brexit as a whole issue represents a subject that it would be necessary to spend hours discussing uh, the specific sides and perspectives of the whole process. Unfortunately, our time today is limited. I would like to thank you for, that you took your time and that you enriched uh, our podcast series with your knowledge and expertise. Many thanks. Thank you so much for having me. And many thanks also to our listeners. This was IDM podcast series CEE, Central Europe Explained, powered by Erste Group. Take care and until next time. IDM Podcast. Institut für den Donauraum und Mitteleuropa. Institut für den Danube Region und Central Europe. European Perspectives. Regional Actions. Cooperation and Expertise since 1953.